You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this Thursday morning. What up, Jake Martin from the Washington? You wanted to say Friday. You wanted it to be Friday. <laughs> I wanted it to be Saturday morning, to tell <laughs> okay. you the truth. Well, plenty to discuss over the next two hours. You can join us on the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. How you doing this morning, Jake? I'm good. I'm good because the playoffs are set. We've been waiting for this for a few days now, see how this thing would play out. I've been waiting since October. What are you talking about? You've been waiting since October. Okay. So now you're going to finally pay attention? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Pretty good. much. Isn't that what uh, 95% of the listeners out there do with the NBA? Uh, probably. Yeah, you, you just tip your toe in a little bit and you, you watch a couple highlights through the regular season. And then once the postseason arrives and once they decide it's time to play uh, for the entire game and give it their 100%, then you can be vested into the postseason? Uh, I would say you're. I would give it a little bit more credit, maybe 20% pay attention more than that. Oh, that's a good question. 888-993-7762. When do you start paying attention to the NBA? Well, if you're a Pelicans fan, I hope you've been paying attention the last couple of weeks because this has been a fun ride. And with the win last night against the Spurs, 122-98, to 98, they clinched the sixth seed, and they will play against the Portland Blazers. Mm. And so, if you if you look at this, um, first I want to talk about the game last night, yeah. and then we'll look at the. the that was Blazers. a huge ball game last night versus the Spurs. A lot at stake, and of course, you want to be playoff ready. You want to go into the postseason with that word Tommy Tharp always talks about momentum. And I guess the Pels now have Mr. Mo on their bench. <laughs> Sherman says he waits until the finals, maybe semifinals. Uh, so yeah, they they have the momentum. Um, Anthony Davis was great again last night. He had 22 points, 15 rebounds, and four blocks. But Drew Holiday, I thought, was the was the real um, MVP of this game because he was more aggressive than usual at the start. Uh, he was the reason why the Pels were able to jump all over the Spurs last night. And uh, because of his aggressiveness, he was steadily driving, creating shots for both himself and for teammates. And he had 23 points and seven assists in that game. And then, you know, my guy Miritich came through. He had 21 points and 15 rebounds as well. So, mm. a complete performance for uh, the Pelicans. They, they pulled – they got the lead to 20 at one point in the third quarter, and then it was just, you know, kind of – kind of I kind of uh, zoned out after that just because they were so dominant and uh, they kept the Spurs at bay. Mm. And I want to say this too, you know, I, I going into this game, I said that – Keep your eyes on LaMarcus Aldridge because he's a great regular season player, but it seems like when the game, like when more than just a game is on the line, he kind of fades. And last night, he kind of faded again. So I, that's why I'm not buying stock in the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. If you're relying on LaMarcus Aldridge to carry you, I just don't see it. Even if they have arguably the best coach in the game and, and Popovich. I, I still don't like their chances. And, of course, you know, they get the draw of the Warriors, so good luck with that. Uh, Quint wanted to know how the Pels did against the Blazers for the regular season. I think 2-2, two and two, I believe. 
Yeah, and so you look at this matchup against the Blazers, and what should concern you is the Blazers did improve their defense this year, and plus you've got that scoring combo of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um, but I'll reference that Durant podcast again. Somebody asked him who's the most difficult person to guard, and he said C.J. McCollum, hmm. which was surprising. But uh, that kind of scares you. But I think if you can get Rondo and Holiday to not necessarily match those two guys' production, but, you know, counter with some great plays, I think Miritich and Davis can handle the rest. And I think the, the Pelicans – I actually like this draw for the Pelicans just because you look at it, you know, the Thunder, they have their own issues, but they still have the star power, I think, over a lot of different teams. You look at, you know, Utah. Utah was the last team I wanted to play. They're just a well-oiled machine. And if you look at the Blazers, they lost four in a row before they beat Utah last night. So they're kind of, you know, limping into this thing. So I think the Pelicans are in a good spot. Uh, Quint says AD must improve his fall shooting of recent. He missed way too many shots last night. I think Sherman weighs in and says what a lot of us also believe. Uh, he loves catching a Pels game when he's in New Orleans. Once I, I think you go to an NBA game and you see the spectacle of the event, it kind of hooks you in a little bit more. Absolutely. Going to an NBA game is fun. It doesn't really matter who it is. I think it's really enjoyable. Quint says, AD must improve his foul shooting. Of recent, he missed way too many last night. Did you not hear me read that just a second ago? <laughs> Dude, that's early. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you read Richie's as well? <laughs> no, I haven't read Richie's yet. This is so pretty funny. He says, reception in Arcadia this morning is terrible. Apparently, y'all have to compete with church today. Thank God for the app. Yes. Use the app. Red Peach app. Yes. Or go to the website. The internet. Pels are a major story this morning on a Thursday, and now we get look forward to the first round of the NBA postseason. <laughs> that does lead us to top ten Thursday, which we'll break yeah. down later on. And it is today. And the listeners decided this, right, Jake? Yes, they decided that we will break down the top 10 best NBA players in the playoffs. Mm. So we'll have that debate coming up shortly. Uh, other headlines on this Thursday, and um, let's start with what happened in Major League Baseball. Man, uh, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, maybe they haven't been getting the attention that they deserve or not enough in the spotlight. So what do they got to do? Go out and have a brawl last night. Ignite that rivalry. Yeah. yeah. So – what happened here, if you didn't see it, uh, Tyler Austin was hit by a pitch in the seventh inning, which ignited that brawl. But beforehand, the reason why he got hit by that pitch is he slid into Brock Holt in the third inning. And, Aaron, you saw the video. Ah. It, it seemed like he it was a stretch to hit Brock Holt. He was pretty far off the bag after catching you know, the ball and coming off. His foot was pretty far to the left. Do you think that was uh, on purpose or incidental? What's your judgment call on that? Uh, nah. I just like the fact that they got into it. <laughs> you don't care. You don't yeah, want to break that down. Yeah, I, I just like the fact that it, it's intense right now in April. I, did, I like that too. Yeah. But And I think they're thinking, well, they had the schedule release for the NFL preseason and, of course, everything – uh, talking about NBA, Major League Baseball needs a little bit of the spotlight. Let's have a, the most heated rivalry in baseball, and let's have a brawl in it. It'll be good for the game. Yeah, so the pitcher Kelly and Austin were ejected after this brawl, this pitcher's clearing brawl. And uh, third, Yankees third base coach Phil Nevin and uh, relief pitcher Tommy uh, Conley was ejected as well. Hmm. And we have adopted, uh, of course, the Houston Astros as our team this year. Did you see how they did last night, Jake? 
Why don't you tell us, Aaron? <laughs> Jake's not all in on this uh, adoption thing with the, the Astros. I'm not. I keep forgetting every morning. Like I check everything <laughs> but the Astros. He's fully vested in the, the Houston right. Astros. Uh, it was a heartbreaker last night. A squeaker, nine to eight to Minnesota. Wow, give up uh, nine hits. They actually out hit uh, Minnesota thirteen to nine. But how about Alex Bregman? We talked about him struggling yesterday. Well, he breaks out in big fashion. He goes four for six at the plate, raises that batting average up to two forty-five. Hmm. Interesting. Very good, Aaron. Uh, Yesterday was a big day with National Signing Day, not only local, regionally, but nationally. And, of course, uh, we'll get into ULM, and you'll hear from Keith Richard later in this show. But there was a couple of significant signings for LSU as Will Way continues to rack up. They get Emmett Williams, signed, sealed, and delivered, the six foot seven, 215-pound, five-star prospect. Yeah, I mean, he joins Nazarene. Javante Smart and Darius Days now that secures the the fifth best uh, recruiting class in the country uh, according to 24/7 Sports. So Will Wade is doing his part to bring in the talent, and now he's got if you if you if the math is correct, I think he has opportunity to bring three more players on board since Brandon Sampson's leaving. So he has a chance whether it's transfers or or, or what have you, but he has a chance to even further improve this roster. Mm. Uh, Emmett Williams, I believe, in an All-American game last week, scored 44. Yeah, he does have a little bit of a checkered pass. He was charged with sexual uh, battery, false imprisonment. But those charges were eventually dropped. But it did cool off some of the big names in college basketball from recruiting him. Full disclosure. Uh, ULM signs five players, as I said. Keith Richard will join us at 8.30. They had signing events out at Washita, St. Frederick, and Cedar Creek. Good day, and of course we got more coming up later today out at uh, OCS in West Monroe, the ones that we know of, Jake. Yes, and Washtenaw had one yesterday as well. That's what I said, Washtenaw. I thought you said Cedar Creek. And uh, I said St. Frederick, Cedar Not Creek, and Washtenaw. I missed you saying Washtenaw. <laughs> I could have sworn you didn't say Washtenaw. <laughs> All right, and then, of course, uh, this, the Saints uh, have a new wide receiver, Cameron Meredith. Do you know his background and uh, his rise in the NFL, Jake? I know he has 888 receiving yards two years ago. 2015, he was undrafted out of Illinois State. 2016, really his breakout year for the Bears. 66 receptions, four touchdowns. Last year, he goes down with an injury. Now he joins the Saints. He's got a new two-year, $10 million deal. He uh, rejoins Curtis Johnson, who, of course, is the wide receivers coach. So the Saints continue to add to that receiving core. Yeah, and the Bears had doubts about his knee injury, and that's why they did not match the Saints' offer. Mm. Uh, a few of the headlines, if we missed one or two, hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. We look forward to catching up with uh, Brett Hudson at 730. He will give us an SEC report. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers. Louisiana Tech looking forward to hosting its spring game come Saturday. Inside uh, receivers and assistant head coach Joe Sloan will join us at 8.15. And as I mentioned, uh, Keith Richard from ULM Basketball will join us at 8.30. And also, Top 10 Thursday, the listeners spoke and we listened. 
we will be breaking down the top ten in NBA players in the postseason. And I got to see Andre the Giant's documentary yesterday. Oh, please tell. So it was very, very interesting. They did a great job with it, as you can expect with HBO. But some of the things that I thought were interesting is they had footage of him wrestling in 1966. thought that was crazy. Um, I also thought it was uh, interesting about the um, stories that Hulk Hogan told about how he didn't like Loudmouse. So he didn't like Randy uh, Savage. He didn't like Iron Sheik, and so when he wrestled them, he really, you know, beat the crap out of them. Andre did. Andre yeah. did. And uh, Flair said that Andre drank 106 beers in one night. <laughs> 106. And Jerry Lawler said the minimum that Andre would have every night is 24. He said most wrestlers would go out and drink a six-pack. Andre would have 24 a night. Hmm. Yeah. Man. So on a scale of 1 to 10. Man, I really liked it. I thought they did a great job. Uh, it was kind of a slow build. So if you can make it, you know, that, that first 20 minutes, it, it gets really, really good. And then I thought it did a great job of telling the story of how important he was to hand the torch over to Hulk Hogan and put wrestling on the map. I'll have to check it out. It's it's worth watching. Better than the Paterno thing. <laughs> yeah, I haven't finished Paterno still. Uh, the question is, is it better than Ric Flair's? And I'm having trouble with that one. Because well, if it's close to being Ric Flair quality in that, that documentary. No, it is, no, see, well, Ric Flair, I thought, is a better subject, but I thought this documentary was just produced better. Like, overall, this documentary's quality is better, but, wow. you know, 30 for 30, he had a lot more to work with with Ric Flair. Hmm. Cisco and Eva will return after this on the morning <laughs> drive, 888-993-7762. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. We'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. When you want a mower that outmaneuvers, outperforms, and outdoes the competition, Cub Cadet Zero Turns have got you covered. Now Cub Cadet is offering exceptional financing, so it's easier than ever to bring your lawn to life. Stop by Yard Power, 7573 Highway 165 North in Monroe, your locally owned Cub Cadet dealer. For expert advice, superior service, and to take advantage of this exceptional offer. Offer subject to credit approval. Some restrictions apply. See store associate for details. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Quint says Siskel and Ebert, question mark. You mean Bert and Ernie. 
good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I did rush uh, Jake on his review there, and he gave the best part of the review during the commercial break. And I want to revisit that just for a second. The Andre the Giant. Spoilers. Uh, the, the documentary. So I didn't know you. You said uh, Andre the Giant was a jokester. He was a jokester. He liked to laugh. He wasn't very articulate, but he liked to uh, pull ribs on guys. He liked to, um, you know, do these pranks. And one of the one of the ribs that he did was not telling Hulk Hogan that he was going to put him over. Hmm. So in front of ninety three thousand people, Hogan went to the ring unsure if he was going to win or not. Wow. And I don't want to spoil the whole. Like you need to watch it. It's it's insane because uh, even. Hulk doubts that even Vince knew that Andre was going to do business that night. I just wondered, did they have some pictures and video of Andre the Giant growing up? And yeah. How odd and That's what, yeah. Uh, so, 1966, he was, like, skinny and tall, and it was just weird. And they said, like, he used to do some athletic things back then, but then, of course. Well, that's before he started drinking a case of beer every day. <laughs> a case of beer? <laughs> It, that's on a that's a light day. They said he would drink like four cases of wine too. Like the man was an ins- a historically insane drinker. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Giants of the NBA, we are now ready for our top ten Thursday. We certainly want you to weigh in. So the top ten impact players as we get ready for the <laughs> postseason to get underway in the NBA. Correct? Yeah. This is uh this is tough because there are some that. We can all agree on. I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with certain calls, including my number 10. But at number 10 on the list, I went with Joel Embiid. Huh? Now, it was difficult because I thought about Carl Anthony Towns because he's become this absolute monster in Minnesota. I thought about Chris Paul because of his resurgence this year and the way he's been able to mesh with Houston and make them a legitimate threat to Golden State, but I, at the end of the day, I went with Embiid because, again, I, I listen to the way players talk about him, and the way they talk about him is this guy is going to be an absolute monster, and he already is. He already is a monster, and I think by the time next year, you, you look at this time next year, yeah. we'll all consider him a no-doubt top-ten player because he has been that dominant, but you look at what he's done this year. He's averaged 23 points per game, 11 rebounds per contest. And, you know, from his defense to being a force inside on O, call me crazy, but I take Embiid over the rest of these guys. Now, question here is, is he healthy? You know, he's going to be coming back, um, hopefully, uh, in the first round to, you know, we'll see if he can overcome that orbital injury and the concussion and all that. But I think NB deserves top 10 recognition. Uh, certainly. And then I think Philadelphia is one of those stories. Everybody's anxious to see, you know, oh, yeah, down the road they're going to be special. Trust the process. But perhaps they can speed up the process a little bit, and this will be the year that they make a major run here as a number three seed. I mean, they did go 52-30 and 30 during the regular season. They did. And the question also is, will their lack of experience come into play here? Because this is the playoff debut for all of them, right? So, you know, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, how are they going to react to this situation? Well, besides the Pels, I mean, the 76ers have to be the team you're most fired up about to see in the postseason. Yeah, it'd be fun to see. Yeah, that's a a team that is. I mean, if they're on, you're going to flip and you're going to stop and watch them. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that. Um, 
But at number nine, I have Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie has been banged up, and Boston has lost a little bit of momentum down the stretch. But when it comes to the playoffs and the bright lights come on, give me the guy that's been there and done that. And Kyrie has been there and done that. Um, he's not going to shrink under those lights. We know that. We all remember the big shot he made in Game 7 to help bring Cleveland a title. And with, you know, you got a wizard and Brad Stevens calling the shots. You got Aaron Baines, who all of a sudden is the darling of the NBA. All You see all these NBA teams are saying we would gladly have this guy on our squad. And, you know, Jason Tatum living up to the hype. I think Urban and the Celtics can make a big splash, even though I've seen a lot of people back off of the Celtics. A lot of Celtics fans are, are worried about what they're going to do in the playoffs, but I think with Stevens orchestrating that thing, I think Irvin could be in a spot where he shines yet again. Mm. And then, of course, Brad Stevens, he's in a great spot just considering. I mean, you look at now when you do a list of the best coaches in the NBA, I think he goes immediately right to the – it doesn't take long when you're doing roll call. No, it, he, he goes high. Uh, you know, Kerr, Pop, Spo, he, he's up there with them. For sure. Um, at number eight, I've got Jimmy Butler. I had to have a two-way player on here. And because Kawhi is injured and missed the season, I have to put the best two-way player, I think, in the game without him. And that's to me, is Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, w- with Carl Anthony Towns and, and Butler, the T-Wolves shouldn't be in the position where they were fighting for the A-seed. And I know they got matched up. I know they were going to match up against the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets will likely spread them out. But if I'm the Rockets, the Wolves might be the last team I want to see. Just because in the first round, you're talking about Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, two guys who you can make an argument for top 10 best in the NBA with the way they played. And I know Jimmy Butler hasn't been fully healthy this year. He's missed a lot of games. And because of that, chemistry just never seemed to really fully click this season. But with him back healthy, with Carl Anthony Towns, I think Butler's going to make a push. And we've seen this before. We've seen the Rockets in series where they've gotten figured out when they're playing the same opponent over and over. They've gotten figured out, and they lose unexpectedly. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the first round against the Wolves, but I'm saying Jimmy Butler is good enough to maybe, you know, create some drama. You know, maybe push this to six games, maybe perhaps seven. Bob here trying to squash all the momentum that you've carried through the first three picks. Says the radio's now cleared up, and I'm listening to Top Ten, and it's about NBA. Yes, it is. Uh, At number six, sorry, number seven. Tell me if this is too low. Steph Curry. Yes. Steph Curry's, I have him in the top three. Because because the the impact that he makes on the Warriors he needs to come back, and he needs to come back at full strength. Ooh, if he's not in the top three, where does this put Golden State? If he's not at 80%, 90% or above, where does that put the Warriors? I can argue against you putting him top three just fully healthy or not. I'm talking about him, impact on the NBA playoffs. I'm putting him seven. No, this is best players in the NBA playoffs. I'm putting him seven because he's going to miss the first round yeah. because he's not fully healthy. I would have him top five. Possibly, yeah, I would have him five if he was healthy. But you know, we know there's nothing quite like Steph Curry getting hot at Oracle. I mean, those circus shots he makes when the crowd just feeds off of that and his heat streak. But he's missing the first round, and we don't know how healthy he'll be when he returns. So for that reason, I put him at seven. Mm. 
coming back from that uh, MCL injury. Most think that, uh, you know, the Warriors will be fine through the first round or two, but to put them over the top, they're going to need Steph Curry. Yeah, they got the Spurs in the first round. I, you know, it's not a gimme. Uh, they all just got to play better, plain and simple. So you think I'm too low there. And number six. Uh, Golden State was 40-10 and 10 when Curry was in the lineup and then 17-14 and 14 when he was sitting on the bench as an assistant coach. Hmm. At number six. You're going to think this is too low, too. Russell Westbrook. Yeah. The most dynamic player in the game. And you put him at six. Here's here's the deal. Coming off another, uh, do you have a triple-double last night? He he got 16 rebounds to secure uh, a season average for a triple-double. Mm. So that's back-to-back seasons. Uh, but Westbrook is a top-five player if you could just take the last two minutes of the game out of the equation. He's... A mess in the last two minutes. He's notorious for taking bad shots, so much so that even Kevin Durant went to Oklahoma City's front office and said, guys, is anybody going to sit down and talk to this guy about this? Other than that, though, he can literally do it all. I mean, he's one of the most athletic guards we've ever seen. It's amazing that his body is held up with, with the way he throws himself at the rim. He's dynamite, but until he has a true closer in the final two minutes or until he develops the ability to do that, he won't be a top-five player in my book. I'm sorry. I, I like five other guys more than him mm. because of those last two minutes in every game. Mm. I think you didn't give him enough respect. You can look at uh, the Thunder, of course, against the best teams, uh, the Rockets, Warriors, Raptors, and Cavaliers this year, 7-4. and four. That should bode well for the Thunder. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do number five, and we'll save the rest for the rest of the show. Number five ahead of him, I have the Greek Freak. Yeah. Now, this guy just keeps getting better and better. I I don't know, and I'm not old enough to fully say this, but I, I don't know if we've ever quite seen a player like him, like Giannis. At 6'11", he can literally play anything from one through five in a league that's continuing to evolve, and that just impresses the heck out of me. This year, he was top five in scoring and just shy of top five in rebounds while averaging five assists per game. I mean, the only problem is he's still young in his career, and we don't know if he'll be able to put the bucks on his back and create a magical run or not in the postseason. And the fact that this is playoff debut, that's why I have him at five, and I have four other guys ahead of him. But if you're looking at just straight-up talent, Giannis might be in a league of his own. You know, I mean, the things he can do, it's, it's absolutely incredible thing I enjoy about it the most when postseason comes around, it's his opportunity to shine. Unless you're a diehard NBA fan, you're not tuning in unless you see a clip or two on a sports center with the Greek freak. This is his opportunity for the rest of the country and the common fan like myself in the NBA. They jump on board and get to check him out. Yeah, and he'll put on a show, I'm sure, but I just don't know if he's good enough to carry them to the second round. These other guys, these top, top four guys, I think they're good enough to do so. I think they've they have more years in the league. So Westbrook and uh, Steph do not even crack your top nope. five. Nope. Huge shock. 888-993-7762. What do you think about Jake's top ten list of NBA players in the postseason? Coming up next, SEC report coming up with Brad Hudson. We'll talk a little uh, college baseball, SEC baseball. They still got ten teams ranked in the top 25? I haven't checked, but probably so. That's coming up after the break. You got a comment? Hit us up, 888 993 
Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whenever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a -a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Desired Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. Local Sports Talk is on the air on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. You crunched the numbers. How many uh, college baseball polls did you just look at, Jake? Just one. But nine. Nine ranked teams. Are they giving the SEC any respect in college baseball? I think they are, yes. Nine teams? Nine ranked in the top 25? Mississippi State, not one of them. Mississippi State's not one of them, no. Yeah, so we bring on their beat reporter from the Columbia Dispatch, Fred Hudson. Used to sit in that seat that Jake is in. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby hotline. Brett, what's up, bud? I'm just glad y'all were able to get an upgrade in 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 that seat. Y'all y'all made that trade straight up, which is which is pretty impressive. I figured I figured there'd have to be a draft pick involved to to balance it out, but good for y'all. A uh, bag of balls or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Right, something like that. Yeah. Got a number of questions for you as we do a little bit of an SEC uh, report here. First, want to start with that. Uh, last week, ten ranked in the top twenty-five. This week, as Jake pointed out, nine in the top twenty-five. I think that's fair. Is that how deep and how good a baseball is being played in the SEC this year? Oh yeah, yeah. And and, and Mississippi State is is proving is proving why their their pitching staff has has been awesome. Their their Friday night Saturday night starters Connor Pilkington and Ethan Small have been fantastic throughout the course of the year. They've got several good bullpen pieces. The pitching has been good enough to be a regional kind of team, but they've been missing about two consistent hitters. 
and that's all they need to be missing to start off two and seven in in conference play. Now they're they've got a shot in the arm right now because they just beat Ole Miss in in a weekend series, walked it off with a two run homer in the eleventh inning to to win that series. But it, it, it goes to show that a team that pitches this well could start that poorly because they just missed a couple of pieces in the lineup, and that's that's all you need when when the SEC is as good as it currently is, as it always is, if we're being honest. Uh, you're on this beat. What has impressed you the most about SEC baseball so far? About what? SEC baseball overall so far since you're oh, on this the, beat. Uh, well, I mean, the, the depth is, is obviously helpful. Um, but I, I think it's it's the fact that these programs consistently churn out first round, second round talent all the time. And you can see these guys in college in 2018, and then they're on a major league roster in 2021 in in some cases I'm I'm sure. I mean take for take for example the Kentucky starter from a couple years ago AJ Puck. He probably would be on the A's roster right now if if not for for Tommy John surgery. Uh and and another Mississippi State guy Kendall Graveman is the A's starting pitcher. He's he's their ace and he was at Mississippi State just four five years ago, right? And and he's their well-established ace. It's it's these guys that play in the SEC that constantly find their way to the big leagues really, really quickly. Uh, it goes back to, to what a lot of coaches uh, say when, when they recruit now, that the, the numbers show and the trend is that going to college actually increases your chances of getting to the major leagues, especially when you play in, in the SEC, which for, for all intents and purposes is basically single-A ball, if not – a little bit better, uh, and we we saw that with with Brent Rooker. Uh, he won the triple crown in the SEC last year uh, for Mississippi State at the first baseman. He goes to rookie ball and plays like twenty games. He plays single A ball for like forty games, and he started this year in double A. That's that's what the SEC is doing for you. It's, it's preparing you for minor league ball better than pretty much anything else because the talent level is so ridiculously high in this conference. Uh, Brett, then, of course, you look at Mississippi State, and uh, you, we know the story with uh, Cole Marsh quite well around here. I know he got a couple of uh, chances to uh, uh, pitch earlier on. What's the update on him? Has he had, had any more opportunities? Yeah, he's he's been a consistent midweek guy for him. Um, I, I was kind of expecting him to get some uh, at least an inning in, in the Ole Miss series. That, that didn't happen. Uh, they had a couple of relief guys go much longer than they normally do, uh, so that was probably the reason for that. But he's he's been a constant midweek guy for him. Sometimes he started, sometimes he's he's come in in relief. Uh, but what what Mississippi State's been doing with their with their midweeks is they try to keep guys between the somewhere in the twenty pitch range so they can keep themselves available for the weekend series. After that, and, and Cole's been a part of that mix. It's probably been anywhere between six to eight pitchers for, for each midweek game, throwing about 20 pitches and, and doing what they can with it. And, and Cole's, been, Cole's been a part of that, and he's, he's been effective for, for the most part. I mean, when, when he didn't pitch in, in the Ole Miss series, I didn't think it was a punishment of some sort for being ineffective. I just thought it was a, a freak incident where, I mean, their closer pitched three innings against Ole Miss like that that's just not going to happen 
every every weekend. And uh, I just thought it goes back to, to that. So Cole's been effective so far this year. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but they've been good enough to earn some some relief innings. And if Connor Pilkington does what we expect him to do and leaves after this season, that opens the, a spot in the starting rotation for someone. And obviously everyone has to bleed up from, from that. So as, as Cole gets whatever relief innings he can um, in, in this spring, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me at all if, if his inning count as much as doubled uh, by this time next year, just because there's going to be a lot more opportunities. And he's clearly been effective with the opportunities he's been given to date. Brett, I know, um, you know, you, you haven't gotten a chance to see Arkansas live yet this year, but in looking at teams that could probably chase Florida and, and maybe make that push to win the SEC, I know they've already lost a, a series to Florida, but they've since been on a, a six-game win streak and, and most recently beat Grambling State. Because we have a lot of listeners that are Arkansas fans in this area, when you look at this Arkansas team, do you think they have what it takes to, to make that push and, and compete for that SEC title? Oh, yeah. I, I think the Omahaws are actually the Omahaws this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've, certainly, they've certainly got that, that talent. And, and honestly, from, from everything I read about them in the preseason, they're kind of built like Florida, right? Florida's got a ridiculously good starting rotation and enough returning bats to be pretty devastating in, in that regard, too. And, and Arkansas kind of has the same thing. They've got a very good starting rotation. I, I think their their lineup, some might consider their lineup to be a, a little bit better than, than Florida's. As you mentioned, I haven't seen Arkansas in person yet. I don't know. That'll actually be uh, next weekend that Arkansas comes to town for, for Super Bulldog weekend when State also has their uh, spring football game. Um more on that later uh but yeah i mean i think they're they're absolutely in in play and in, in all of this i mean florida arkansas ole miss uh lsu all all these schools are absolutely with within play of, of an sec crown and i mean really would would anyone be surprised if all four of them hosted regionals i, I know i wouldn't uh, you mentioned the Bulldogs, of course, uh, 18 and 16 right now, 4 and 8 in conference play. Everything that took place uh, really at the beginning of the year with the coaching change, but you have that brand new uh, ballpark that continues to, you know, get, you know, renovations continue. What's the buzz right now there? Uh, it's starting to pick up. Uh, there was there was a point during that 2 and 7 conference play start the, where the fan base was pretty close to giving up on on the team but it's it's funny what uh what beating a beating Ole Miss who happens to be number three in the nation and two out of three will will do for a fan base it's it's funny how how that works uh so there's there actually is some some buzz around this team a little bit they they need to keep that up though they're they're going to Auburn this weekend that's that's a big series for for this this squad they need to be really competitive there, preferably win that series before coming back to host Arkansas next weekend. Because as I mean, I've said it a few times, but when you go two and seven in conference play to start a season that only has 30 conference games, your margin for error is, is incredibly, incredibly small. Like after that two and seven, it was well within reason that Mississippi State would be one of the two SEC teams to miss the tournament. The SEC tournament. I mean, they only let twelve teams in, so it's it's entirely possible for for that to have happened. Now, 
there's a little bit of feel good around the team. Some some guys that don't normally hit hit well in, in that old Miss series. If they can figure out some offense in their corner outfield positions, they'll probably be okay. They'll if they figure that out, they'll certainly make the SEC tournament and maybe their run is good enough to find their way into the NCAA tournament. But there's there's still a lot of work left to be done. And I, I think the fan base is kind of looking at the team that way. Uh, they're, they're starting to feel a little something. There's a little more reason for optimism, but they also realize that the Ole Miss series doesn't fix everything. There's, there's a lot of work left to be done in, in that regard, and, and that starts at Auburn this weekend. Uh, Brett Hudson from the Columbia Dispatch joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Uh, interesting hire, of course, for Mississippi State with their new head football coach, Joe Moorhead, they're looking forward to that spring game, as you mentioned, coming up. Uh, what's it been like with him calling the shots now there for the Bulldogs? It's been a lot of fun. Um, he he does things differently. Like there, there are just ways that he organizes practices that are differently from, from other things that, that I've seen. And obviously his offense is a lot of fun, right? They, they go deep a lot. They do a lot of interesting things schematically and all of their RPOs and how they kind of structure all of those things. So it's, it's really fun to, to just watch him work um, and watch him install the offense. We got the first inter-squad scrimmage of the spring last Saturday. We'll get another one this Saturday before uh, the maroon and white game. And, and obviously the, the offense is still kind of vanilla and what it's doing, but you can still see some of the elements that right now it's not tagged with some interesting things, but later on you'll you'll tag a, a pass option onto this particular run. It's going to be really interesting. So all of that has, has been a lot of fun. Uh, but it, it's also been cool to see what happens beyond some injured players. I mean, obviously Nick Fitzgerald and his gruesome ankle injury in the Egg Bowl, he hasn't been playing with a live rush. He's been doing seven-on-seven seven and individual work, but there's – isn't really much reason to put him behind a live rush right now, given the, the status of his still healing ankle. So you're seeing a lot of Keaton Thompson behind him. And then the all-SEC defensive lineman, Jeffrey Simmons, he's coming back from a shoulder surgery he had over uh, over the offseason. So there's some reserve defensive tackles getting getting a lot of work in there too. So it's, it's cool to see those guys get some reps in and see what Mississippi State has behind what many would argue are their two best players on the roster. Well, Brett, I miss talking football with you, so I'm going to ask you another football question. Do uh, it. We, we, we saw this uh, ESPN Football Power Index, the projected wins for 2018. Aaron and I discussed it, and I was surprised to see Mississippi State fourth highest with 8.4 wins projected. When you hear that stat, when you think about eight or more wins for this team, what are your immediate thoughts? Uh gun to my head right now i'd probably go nine and three um i I, i'd say i'd say at alabama is obviously pretty brutally difficult uh but beyond that i mean the the only the other losable games to me in no particular order are auburn at home at lsu maybe at kansas state maybe kansas state works some bill snyder magic um but beyond that and then florida comes to town go to Kentucky, but then we're kind of getting to a second tier, right? Uh, I, I mean, there just aren't that many games on the schedule that, that Mississippi State's going to be outclassed because they're returning two 
All-SEC defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat. Nick Fitzgerald is, is proven in this league, even if he does need to bump up his completion percentage a little bit. Uh, and all of the other voids on this roster due to graduation are otherwise are more or less filled. They may lose a senior linebacker in Des Harris, but they've got an all-SEC all-freshman team guy, guy at Errol Thompson behind him. The wide receiver group was bad last year, but they return a lot. And they bring in what many have said is the greatest wide receiving signing class in Mississippi State football history with Stephen Gidry and Devontae Wap Jason out of uh, Landry Walker. He's already on campus, both of them, actually. They're, they're really, really good at replacing the things that they did lose from last year's team, which, frankly, wasn't all that much. So it's, it's kind of easy to look at the roster and look at the schedule and see a 9-3 and three season out of, out of this. Am I crazy? Do you all disagree? It's a lot of wins. Well, in looking at their schedule, I'm kind of like you, because I at first thought it was crazy, and then I looked at their schedule and said, you know what, the schedule is somewhat favorable for Mississippi State, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, the, the road games on this schedule are Kansas State, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Kentucky. Alabama and LSU scare you for, for obvious reasons, just based on environment, but Outside of that, Mississippi State's going to have a better roster than Kansas State. They're going to have a better roster than Kentucky. Uh, Ole Miss is a coin flip at, at all points in time. And based on what happened last year, isn't it at least plausible that Mississippi State could go to Death Valley and beat LSU? I'm not predicting that. Let's make that perfectly clear. But isn't it certainly plausible that a roster that just beat LSU down last year and returns most of it, isn't it plausible that they could go to Death Valley and win that game? Right on that same win predictions, predictions, projections, they had LSU at 6.2. That we thought Ooh. was a little bit low. That's fair. Yeah, that, that probably is a little low. Uh, shout out Richard Lawrence, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's a little low. Um, but, whoo, man, I, I'm sure that went over well with, with the listening audience. Yes. Uh, one other thing, and maybe it's because of the lasting image that I have of a Keaton Thompson against West Monroe when he's at Landry Walker, and obviously he's behind a very good quarterback. What's his development been like there at Mississippi State? Oh, it's it's been fantastic. I mean, he he showed in, in the Tax Slayer Bowl that he's he's certainly competent against a, a college defense, and I think I think this Moorhead offense is is actually better suited for him than the Dan Mullen offense because the the Mullen offense kind of morphed into something over the last two years where most of the quarterback run stuff was designed. A lot of QB powers on third and two, a lot of QB draws on second and six, things things like that to get their quarterback involved in the run game. There is some of that in, in the Moorhead offense, but not nearly as much as there was in the Dan Mullen offense. When the quarterback runs in the Joe Moorhead offense, almost all the time it's because of an option scheme. It's because the quarterback saw just a big old lane that the defense just begged him to take, so he took it and ran for 15 yards. So I, I think you're you're introducing a more advantageous running threat for, for Keaton Thompson. And, and he ran a lot of option stuff at Landry Walker. So he's not going to be overwhelmed by having to make post-snap decisions and, and post-snap reads in, in the Moorhead offense. I actually think when his time does come, uh, be it in 
2019, or if knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But if something happens to Nick Fitzgerald again, I, I think he's he's better poised in in this system than he was in in the Dan Bowen system, which says something since his one start in the Dan Bowen system, he went and beat Louisville and Lamar Jackson team in a bowl game. Brett Hudson from the Columbia Dispatch. Uh, listeners out there want to see your work. Where do they need to go? Everything's on Twitter, man. At, at Brett underscore Hudson. Appreciate y'all giving the plug on on Twitter this morning. Yeah, everything is everything is there. So football practice availability today. So video and, and notes coming from that. You're down to one Twitter account now. I'm down to one Twitter account I use uh, regularly. I, I gotta keep the 977 one active just so I can see what what y'all are up to. See see the see the high changes. Be around for for Neville and Weston Rose next state championship, right? Uh, final question. You've been gone now for what a year and a half? How long you been gone? Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. The one thing besides Johnny's Pizza that you miss the most? How dare you? First of all, how dare you? Um, hmm. I'm going to have to choose my words here. Can I just say Britain Leggett and, and get away with that? <laughs> no. Um, the thing I miss, uh, oh, I know what it is. The thing I miss the most is Raisin Cane. That's what I miss the most. It's not even close. Right. Appreciate it, Brett. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Y'all do. Brett Hudson. Oh, man. Can you imagine life without Raisin Cane's? <laughs> 888-993-7762. David from Arkansas. Good job on the top 10, Jake. Finally one that old folks can listen to. Well, I'm glad that old people can listen to this one. <laughs> the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. The way you purchase a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Get your craw daddies now at Randall's Fine Meats. Randall's Fine Meats has your craw daddies ready to go every day. Low prices for live or boiled. Ask about their 5 and 10 pound specials on some of the best crawfish around. Plus, Randall's will even cater your next event. Just give them a call. 343-0382 and book in advance. Randall's also has your specialty stuffed meats. And you have to try his fried 
Red Cracklins. At Randall's, like them on Facebook or just stop on by. Randall's Fine Meats, 4205 Old Sterlington Road, Monroe. Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to The Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. We've got a big 8 o'clock hour packed with guests with uh, Chris Blair, Joe Sloan, and Keith Richard joining us. So we need to wrap up our top 10 Thursday. Uh, Kevin from Ruston says, could you please give a shout out to Weasel after the interview? He doesn't believe you guys interact with listeners. What's up, Weasel? Have you ever said that before? No. <laughs> First time. All right. Let's uh, wrap this thing up, put a bow on it. So the biggest takeaway I had in your top ten was the fact you had Steph and uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Westbrook, Westbrook as uh, not in the top five. Yeah, I had Steph at seven, and I had Russell Westbrook at six, and then I had Giannis, the Greek freak, at number five, yeah. which is where we left off. So top four. At number four, I have James Harden. Yeah. So, when you talk about offensive players in the league, James Harden is the first player you have to bring up. I mean, he averaged more than 30 points this year per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the perfect player for D'Antoni to execute that system and get the results that he's gotten in Houston. And I think, you know, Harden has evolved over the years to be both a distributor and a scorer. And again, this season, he's proven that as he's third in the league in assists per game. But not only that, but he's somehow been able to make things worth with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. That's what's really impressed me, the fact that you can bring in another point guard because let's not forget that Antonio moved Harden from shooting guard to point guard. They bring in another point guard, and they made it work. And it's they've been the scariest team of the, all, all season long, which is, you know, I think you got to credit both Harden and Chris Paul for that. But uh, the fact that Harden's done that and has has proved that he can make it flow even better than it did a year ago with Chris Paul beside him, um, I, I give that I give a huge tip of the cap to, to James Harden as a player. Uh, you look at you look at uh, Chris uh, Chris Blair. You look at Chris Paul's numbers in the postseason. They've been good. Uh, Twenty one points, nine assists. But the fact that he's never advanced uh, past the second round, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a huge blemish on his resume. I think it'll happen this year. But if you look at this, if you look at all the great things I said about him, I have to put him at four because of the defense. Because, you know, all the great things I can say about him and his ability to create his own shot, I, I have to then point out the fact that he has a lack of defensive efficiency and I don't even know if it's defensive efficiency it's defensive effort you know I mean it's, it's somewhat comical watching him defend at times and he knows it he's an offensive specialist and that's fine but I want a more well-rounded guy in my top three which is why I have James Harden at four I'm curious to see how Houston's going to handle this because uh, this is their time to shine. And we look at them as the number one seed in the fantastic regular season that they put together, winning 65 games. Well, they're supposed to be a team to beat. Let's see how they handle that now. I really like them. I think they'll, you know, reach the semifinals or the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors. I really think we're just on that path. And I don't, I'm not, you know, some people were talking about upsets because of how deep that the Western Conference is, but I don't see that happen. I think both teams will make the Western Conference Finals. We'll get a great series between the two. And number three, 
I've got Anthony Davis. Now, you can call me biased, but I think he's deserving to be top three with the way that he's put the Pels on his back. And they've gone, what, 20-8 and eight down the stretch to make the playoffs? What more can I say about this guy? I mean, he put the Pels on his back. And, listen, Davis is second in points per game. He's fifth in rebounds per game. He's first in blocks per game. And if anybody out there cares, he averages the most fantasy points. I figured that was a good little statistic to throw in there. Uh, but, listen, I, on the court he can do it all. He has a jump shot he, that allows him to play both in and out. He's a fantastic defender. Uh, like I said, leads the league in blocks. He can even bring the ball up the court, which I don't prefer him to do. But uh, he's just one of the most difficult players to guard. And because he plays strong defense, I put him ahead of James Harden. Uh, I truly thought you'd have him number one or number two. <laughs> I'm shocked you got him in number three. Yeah, number three. Uh, trying to be unbiased here. Number two, Kevin Durant. Um, Kevin Durant put forth another compelling argument for best in the league this year, I thought, by evolving into a defensive presence. Uh, this year, Steve Kerr used Durant kind of like Rick Barnes used him at Texas. Uh, as a physical presence in the paint, and he's responded. He, he had 1.8 blocks per game this year, and he's continued to improve his overall stature in this league after drawing up arguments to best in the world last year. I mean, think about last year in the finals. Uh, I believe it was Paul Pierce that said he was better than the king. But uh, there are two things for me that prevent him from taking the top spot. One it's his attitude and his uncontrollable emotions for as well as he's improved. How many times has he been ejected out of a game this year? I don't have the stat, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. For, as, for as much as I can praise him for his defensive improvement, I also have to dock him for, for that, what you just said, for his uncontrollable emotions during the game. He's had far too many technicals. And the second reason is LeBron James is still around. And I'm not going to say anybody is better than LeBron James until LeBron James – falls off and he has not fallen off uh you look at it I, i've caught him the swiss army knife for years because he can play one through five and do it better than anyone on the court when it matters most and i don't have to sit here and spew his resume but if you just look at what he's done in his 15th season in the league he's put forth another mvp argument by dominating the latter part of the season and he scored 27.7 points per game 9.2 assists and he's gotten 11 rebounds per game He's still the king. I don't care if you don't like his attitude. I don't care if you like his ego. If you don't like his Instagram post, he's still the king. He's still number one. 888-993-7762. What did Jake get right? What did he get wrong? 7 o'clock hour in the books. After the break, we look forward to catching up with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, for his weekly visit. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.